I just am amazed at the providence of God. You know, as we're here this morning, there's the, I, I, I am excited to preach under this holy moment because um, this week, one of our Marines, uh, not only in the natural, but in the spiritual, a spiritual Marine, uh, unexpectedly went home to be with the Lord. I'm talking about Joe Alisea, who's been an elder here for years. You know, I was thinking, um, Diana, you know, you guys, when I, when I think of people who have been like pillars in this house, I'm, and you know, you can't be a pillar unless you've hung around for a long time. And uh, Joe and Diana were part of all the way back to the very beginning of Living Stones, meeting in our living room. They faithfully served my dad for many, many years. And you know, when uh, the transition happened here at Living Stones and my dad passed the mantle to me, they came up and were some of the first people who said, Pastor, we're with you. I mean, you know, when you find people who believe in you, that's a, that's a deal. And uh, I, could, I could preach this whole morning just telling stories about uh, Joe's impact in my life. And uh, so this coming Friday or Saturday, we'll let you know, um, because we're still working on some detail, but we're going to have a celebration because because that's what Joe would want. And, uh, and I, can, I can imagine the reunion, we've all talked about this, of my dad saying to Joe, what are you doing here? Um, of course, my dad uh, had such a major impact in Joe's life and in the marriage. And, uh, so here's the deal. What, the songs that were sung this morning were like, if I had to pick out songs for the whole Alisea family to hear, I would have picked out those songs. We started with the goodness of God, and we talked about God's reckless love, and we talked about Jesus being the champion even over death itself, and we talked about singing a little louder in the presence of our enemies, you know, and, uh, and I just was up here going, this is like, you know, this whole service was, at least the worship was for you guys. You know, we're honored today because the family came together this first service too, even though they're part of different bodies of Christ and different fellowships, they all came together to be with us, which is a real honor. So thank you guys uh, for doing that. And uh, we love you like crazy and we're here for you. And uh, basically, can all you guys stand up, the whole delegation, this is, this is the legacy of Joe and Diana right here. Look at that. <laughs> I know uh, Diana would tell you there's much grace upon all of them right now. In fact, you know, I took Pastor Andrew with me. Uh, we were at the hospital, and and he just stopped after about half an hour of hanging out in the presence of, of uh, Diana. And he just said, I can't tell you how, how impacted I am by how you're navigating this situation that's full of uncertainty and full of, you know, potential sadness and grief the grace of God on her life. But how I many you know godly people 
at their greatest moment of challenge, manifest the kingdom and manifest the presence of Jesus. And when you're staring, staring death in the face, that's when you realize, what do you have on the inside? And uh, the power and the presence of God upon her was just ministering to us while we were there to try to minister to them. Uh, and that's the beauty of people who really know Jesus. And I love these moments because this is holy moments. You know, the Bible says it's precious in the eyes of the Lord are the deaths of his kids, you know, his, his sons and his daughters. It's precious to God because Joe ran a great race. He finished his course well. Uh, and there, the Bible says there is, for him, stored up a crown of righteousness. And so he's, he's receiving a, a hero's reward. And uh, just like we reward our earthly heroes, and he was a military hero, uh, we will see the Lord himself rewarding us and giving heroes rewards for people who have run a good race and fought a good fight. So here's the deal. These moments should inspire us because there's the, there's the uh, atmosphere of heaven in this place even now. And, uh, and the weightiness, which I want you to feel, the weightiness of the Word of God, because God's Word should come to us in our most difficult times and minister life to us and hope to us. And, uh, and that's the purpose. You know, we're in the series on the Psalms, and Pastor Andrew did such a great job last Sunday just talking from Psalm 139 about our need to be known, known, known to God, but known by others as well. And, uh, and it's the Psalms that have been near and dear to God's people throughout the ages. And we see David li literally sharing his guts with us uh, through some of the most difficult times. So I want you to get your Bible open to Psalm 27 this morning. Psalm 27. And I want to talk to you about a topic here that I think is very applicable. I want to give you three strategies for fearlessly facing the future. Three strategies from Psalm 27 for fearlessly facing the future. Now, let me just tell you, have you noticed on the news recently, we are ramping up for another uh, hysterical, you know, government overreach, shut everybody down, because we're freaking out again. And here, here's the only thing I want you guys to remember. Right? This is, I, I'm not a math person, but this is one mathematical fact I want you to remember. Everybody say 1%. 1%. All of this hysteria is over a pandemic that still is claiming 1% or less. We're getting ready to go back to school. Do you know how many young people, how many teenagers, how many 18 and and younger are, have been impacted by this virus. Less than a tenth of a percent. And yet people are in fear. The greatest threat to America is called the mainstream media. Because, how about some wisdom from our founding fathers? James Madison, the framer of the Constitution. Crisis is the rallying cry of the tyrant. Crisis is the rallying cry of tyrants. When you see government officials and mainstream media whipping us up into a hysterical, fearful frenzy, there's an agenda behind it. And I said this this week, I'm going to say it loudly and clearly, and then I'm going to get into Psalm 27. This is not a time for compliance. This is not a time for submission. 
I am at the point, I don't want to overstep, but I'm not going to go to places if they lock down. I'm not going there because I'm not going to wear a mask. All right. Um, I'm not going to wear a mask. And I'm just telling you, I'm not going to social distance with you. If you come here, I'm going to hug you. So I'm just warning you. I'm going to hug you. But if we, if we keep putting up with this nonsense, it will keep going on and on and on and on. And it's time that we just say enough. Um, because here's the deal. We are not a people of fear. Can I just tell you, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should never be marked by fear. Ever. The greatest enemy we have is death. And death has been conquered by Jesus. Death is our launch pad to eternity. And that's why this week we're going to do what Joe would want us to do, and we're going to celebrate an amazing life, an amazing legacy. We're going to remember him. We're going to rejoice in what God has done through this man. And then we're going to rejoice that he is going to be reunited with all of us who are in Christ, and we're going to live on planet Earth in a redeemed, sinless environment with Jesus as our king, and we're going to party forever. That's the truth. That is the truth. So turn with me, Psalm 27, and I want to give you three strategies that David employed here. In verse 1, let's read the first three verses. And point number one is simply this. If you're going to fight fear, you've got to learn to war with the Word of God. Look at the first three verses. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Hallelujah. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? In Psalm 46, David said this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, how many of you know that this is good reasoning? Therefore means I'm going to start with the truth, and I'm going to come to a therefore. In other words, if this is true about God, therefore, in other words, truth has a response. If this is true, if God is our refuge and our strength and our present help in times of trouble, therefore, what is the therefore? I will not fear. In fact, it says we will not fear. If this is the God that we worship, how many of you have ever walked in darkness before? You know, there's darkness. We, we talked about the mystery. This is a mystery. We don't understand why this happened. We won't understand until the next life. But how many know there is someone who understands everything about everything? And he's a good God. And he's a kind God. And he's always working on our behalf. And, and if we could take the veil back, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, when you pull the veil back, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, they're like, you're the wizard? But how many know when you take the veil back, you're going to see the glory of God. You're not going to see a puny little wizard. You're going to see the greatness of God. That's what gives us hope. So David said, hey, God's my light and God's my salvation and God is my fortress. Why in the world am I going to be afraid? He said, when evil people come and they devour me, when enemies and foes attack me, they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. And even if I'm attacked, the Bible says here, David 
I will remain confident. You know, Brother Rod challenged us a few weeks back about how important it is to speak with your mouth and make declarations about what's happening. How I many you know some of the things he's talking about here have not happened? Some of them were happening and some had happened. How I many you know David did not live a life in an ivory tower somewhere uh, of luxury? David spent most of his life running for his life. In fact, if you remember, David had to fight a lion, did he not, when he was a shepherd? And then he had to fight a bear. And then he had to fight a giant. And then he had to fight Saul, his own king. And then he had to run from Saul's entire army. And then he had to deal with every evil work of all the nations around him. But how many of you know David built a, a transcript? He built a resume of God's faithfulness. Now, can I just tell you, we're not in heaven yet, in case any of you were wondering that. We're living in a broken, sinful world where people hate God, they hate the church, they hate you, they mock the Bible, they mock all things holy, they push every agenda, they cross every line that God has established, they break down every fence that God has put up. This is not heaven. You're going to have obstacles and challenges and you're going to have to fight and you're going to have people that won't like you and you're going to, have, uh, you're going to be attacked for righteousness' sake. That's what this world is about. Don't be surprised, the Bible says. James says, why are you surprised when rough things come at you? Count it all joy. Press in. Learn to fight. And do not let fear, which is the, the language of hell itself, and the weapon of hell itself, do not let fear cause you to shrink back. When you Listen, when you're experiencing fear, instead of going back, press forward into the fear. On the other side of the fear is God. On the other side of the fear is breakthrough. Every time fear raises its head in your life, you need to rebuke it. And how do you rebuke it? You rebuke it with the word of the Lord. You go to a higher authority and you declare with your mouth. David says here with his mouth, even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. When Diane was under the attack wondering what is going to happen to my husband, what is the outcome of this surgery, there was a sense of confidence in God where we simply in that, in that room, waiting room, prayed and released Joe into the father's arms. And say, and how about this, Father, we trust you. Father, we know you always have our best interest in mind. Father, we know you're going to glorify yourself in this situation. What an incredible place to be, standing there in the mystery when we're saying, God, I'm, we're walking in the darkness now, but the Bible says here, the Lord is my light. God, we're not sure if there's going to be deliverance or what this is going to look like, but we trust you're my salvation. God, we don't know what the future is going to look like, but you are my strong tower. You are my refuge. In you, I'm going to hide. What an incredible, incredible promise. You know, the Bible says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And David gives us three strands here. Light, salvation, a fortress. How many of you know those are three strands we can weave together and grab a hold of when the enemy's coming after us? The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? And I want to tell you this, your experience with God will breed hope and confidence for the future. Never despise the challenges that you're going through. 
Because the challenges that you're going through, if you're a believer, have been providentially assigned to you by the Lord Himself. And those challenges are not meant to destroy you or to defeat you or to cause you to be hopeless. They're meant to give you launch pads and stepping stones into breakthrough and into confidence with God. And they're meant to inspire faith in your heart. So when the next challenge comes, you're like, hey, I already had a lion and a bear and a giant and a king and an army. Who are you? And you begin talking that way. You know, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm not very strong or powerful. You know, maybe you're not tall, you're not big, you're, you know, whatever. You're not, you don't see yourself as mighty. But I mean, you know, the mighty one lives in you. And it's great. It is so great to talk like you are bad, like you are awesome, like you are powerful. Because you are. It's Jesus in you that is all those things. And so you, you trash talk the devil. This is part of our weaponry. You laugh in the devil's face. Psalm 2, I preached on that a couple weeks ago. You laugh at the devil. When fear comes, what do I do? Laugh. Pastor, are you crazy? I'm not crazy. These, this is how you fight a good fight. And let me just tell you this. You will not make it without fighting. I'm a pacifist. You're dead. You're going to be dead. You can't make it through life successfully unless you learn how to fight. And so that's what we do on Sunday mornings. We teach you how to war. So we're going to war with the Word of God. And obviously, you're, you know, if you think of the promises of God as bullets, and when the battle comes, you pull out your gun, and you have no bullets, because you don't eat the Word. You don't, you're not in the Word. You don't memorize the Word. Then the enemy comes and you pull out your gun. You're like Barney Fife. <laughs> Barney's running around looking for a bullet, right? You don't want to be Barney Fife. You want to be like Rambo. <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got so many bullets. Or you want to be like Legolas. The guy just keeps pulling arrows out of midair, like shooting, shooting them everywhere. Like, how does that happen? That's, it happens because you've hidden the Word of God in your heart. Second point is we win with worship. Which, can I just tell you something? This right here, right here, this little carve-out section right here, this is a picture of the behavior of the righteous. Let me ask you a question. On your darkest moment, in your darkest moment, where would you choose to be? Here's what David said. This one thing. Everybody say one thing. This one thing. We're talking about focus. We're talking about priority. We're talking about the thing of ultimate importance. This one thing I'm going to ask of the Lord. And this one thing I'm going to seek the most. How many of you know in life there's lots of good things to seek after? And you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't despise good things. There's lots of good things. But how many of you know there's one thing to desire more than all the other good things? This one thing I'm going to seek after the most. And here it is. To live, to dwell, to abide, to hang out in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David said... In my darkest moments, when the enemy is attacking, where do I want to be? I want to be in God's presence. Listen, with God's people. In God's presence, with God's people. 
why you find strength, you find support, you find hugs, you find, you find words of encouragement. You, you sense the presence of God Almighty and you come alive in your spirit when you're in the presence of God. David goes on to say, I'm going to delight in the Lord's perfections and I'm going to meditate in his temple. Now, let me tell you why this is important. Delighting is, an, is a function of the heart. Meditating is a function of the mind. How I many of you know when you come into the presence of the Lord, your mind and your heart should be working in tandem? And so what's happening is we're singing songs that are based on truth. As you sing those truths, what's happening is you're meditating on facts about God. Like we started today with one of my favorite songs of all time, The Goodness of God. I cry every time I sing that song. Because I have a history of God's goodness. How about you? And so it reminds me of the kindness of God, the love, the reckless love. What was that all about? God chasing me down and saving me. Anybody grateful that the, that the hound of heaven chased you down and saved you? Come on. So I'm thinking about how God pursued me. Every one of us wants to be pursued and loved in the creator of the universe pursued me who am i who am i so i begin meditating on these truths and then what happens in my heart is i begin to delight in god that's why worship is not some empty sterile sacrifice it's why we don't just stand here staring at the wall or in some places we crack open our hymn books and we sing and there's zero passion, zero emotion, no joy, no delight. No, David said, I want to find God. I want to think about God. I want to meditate in his presence. I want to encounter God. There was a passion in his heart that was genuine and he wasn't going to church because he had to. There was a delight driving him for more of God. Let me ask you this. When you're going through challenges, do you find the Holy Spirit drawing you away, drawing you to the Lord, drawing you to his word, drawing you to your knees, drawing your hands to heaven? What is going on? Because David said in his most difficult times, he was going to find the desire of his heart which was the presence of God and the people of God because that's where he found the greatest joy. Look at what he says here next. Verse 5, God's going to conceal me there when troubles come. In the King James Version, it says he's going to conceal me or hide me in his pavilion. The pavilion was the tent that was set up when the armies were going off to war. That was the tent it was in the very center. All of the mighty men were sleeping around the tent, and then the other troops were around them, and it went out in concentric circles. When you were sleeping in the pavilion, you were at the very heart of your defense. You were in the very center of the most safe place to be at that time would be in the pavilion. There's another illusion here. Look at the next verse. He's going to hide me in his sanctuary. Again, the King James says, in the secret place of his tabernacle. The secret place of the tabernacle, ready for this, was the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go once a year. But David said, 
he envisioned this picture of God taking him into the very Holy of Holies, where the glory of God was dwelling. And David was saying, if I could grab a hold of the tabernacle where the presence of God, the manifest presence of God is, this is the safest place on planet Earth. And how many of you know you can go there in the Spirit? You go there in worship. You go there by faith. You enter the Holy of Holies, and you encounter God. And David said, if I could find that place in the Holy of Holies, if I could be under the pavilion, surrounded by the armies, the Lord of hosts, the angelic hosts surrounding me. What can man do to me? You remember the prophets when, when they were surrounded and the servant of the, of the prophet was freaking out and he said, Lord, just open his eyes. What a powerful picture. One man of God surrounded by an army and he's chilling out because he recognized that, he, that the angels and the chariots of fire of heaven were surrounding him. Oh, to be people who live in that dimension. Oh, to be people who, who believe more in the unseen world than in the seen world. Who believe more in the promises of God and the reality of God than in what we can touch and taste and feel with ourselves. Look at what he says next. Then I'm going to hold my head high above all my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. How many of you know you're filling your home with worship is a vital source of weaponry for you? If you got a car ride to work, you know, people joke around with me because I got such a long commute, you know. It, t it, takes, it takes me about 30 seconds to walk to church. I hate it. And, you know, when it's snowy, it might take me 45 seconds to walk to church. It's terrible what I have to go through. But if you have a long commute, I'll tell you what I'd be doing. I'd be filling my car with the Word of God. I'd be filling my car with worship. And I'd go into work glowing in the Holy Spirit because I was so full of God's truth, meditating and delighting, meditating and delighting the head, the heart, working together like this beautiful cycle. How many of you know the more you understand of the beauty of the Lord in your head, the more your heart is inflamed with passion, and the more passion you get, the more truth you want. The more truth you get, the more passion you have. That's the secret to being a powerful, mighty warrior in the things of God. Let me go to the last point here. Let's talk about waiting patiently in hope. Waiting patiently in hope. Look at verses 7 and 8. Hear me, David says, as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. How many of you know one of the ways we wait patiently is on our knees? We wait patiently in that pavilion and in that secret place on our knees and we talk to the Lord and have any of you ever felt this before I know in times when I was under attack I remember one holy moment I had right behind this wall right here in the baptistry that was my holy of holies that was the place I knew I could go to where I could lock two doors and nobody could find me um, and so that's what I did. I locked the outside door, I locked the inside door, and I knelt at the steps of the baptistry. I literally felt the Holy Spirit saying, you need to get away because I have some things I want to talk to you about. And when I obeyed, how I many of you know, when you feel the draw, 
the wooing of the Lord. David said, look, look at his language here, it's powerful. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Do you know that your heavenly Father is inviting you on a regular basis to come away and to be with him and to talk to him? It's your heart that God speaks to, and then it's your heart that responds back to God. Look at what David says. God's wooing, and David said, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. There was no hesitation. There was no delay. There was no resistance. There was a response. Can I just tell you, in worship, in worship, you will sense the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And God's going after your heart. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I can't sing. If I sing that song, I cry. I know one big guy sits like right where you're at, Greg. Uh, and he says, every time I hear the goodness of God, it makes me want to just start bawling because he's holding his newborn. And I always look at him. And I'm always like, you big sissy. You're standing there trying to hold it all together, and I'm not, not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. I'm not. When God's wooing you, and you're afraid to let go, you're afraid to let go because you're still trying to hold it all together. And God's just trying to wreck your world, God's trying to overwhelm you with His love. So you say, oh, those people at that church, man, they're just so weird. Like they raise their hands and they shut their eyes and sometimes they lay on the ground and sometimes, sometimes they jump up and down and like, oh my gosh, that church. <laughs> and there you are. I'm so spiritual. No, you are trying to control your little kingdom. And you're so focused on you. And you're so focused on your life and on your power and on your reputation. When God's just trying to tear it all down and trying to get you to come to him and be real and experience his power and his presence and his life. But you're just gonna hold it all together. Think everybody around you is weird. Why don't you shut your eyes? And stop looking at everybody. And why don't, you, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? This one thing. This one thing. I'm going to set my focus on Jesus. I am going to do everything I can to encounter the living God. And frankly, I don't care what you think about my encounter of the living God. <laughs> So when God speaks to your heart, respond like David, God, I'm coming, I'm coming, I am running into your presence. Second thing about waiting, we wait in, in prayerful pursuit, but secondly, we wait in humble obedience. And the posture of our hearts is really important if you're going to have an encounter with God. How many of you know God despises the proud? God resists the proud. But God's grace gets poured out on humble people. What does it mean to be humble? How about this? How about teachable? How about you, you, you're able to laugh at yourself? 
You know, I love hearing Pastor Andrew preach because he's just so real. And he usually shares all the things he hasn't done right. You know what? That's the sign of a humble man. You go off to our women's encounters and our men's encounters, and you don't hear about people that have it all together. You hear about what a mess everybody was and how Jesus came and healed us. I got to do this three times this morning. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, man, thank you, Lord. Uh, teach me how to live, O oh Lord, and lead me along the right path. Now I'm blowing bubbles. Oh, Lord. Josh, if you're here, do not get that on camera. All right. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. I mean, you know, David says, he basically says, God, I need a map to show me where to go, but I also need a guide. I need someone to grab my hand and take me along the journey so I get to the right destination. How many of you know we need the same thing? We have a map. But we also have a guide. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he promises to flesh out the word and to flesh out our lives and to give us direction. He's a lamp unto our feet. And he's a light unto our path. But I want you to notice the posture of David's heart. David's the king. There's, there's nobody that he has to report to. He's the big dog. But do you see the humility here in David's heart? He's like, God, I need you. Lord, I don't want to try to figure it out my way. I don't. Please, Lord, save me from me and from my own agenda, the way I think it's supposed to be. Lord, will you please lead me on the path and show me the way I'm supposed to live? What would happen if we approached our marriages this way? What would happen if we approached raising kids this way? You know, I always crack up having raised eight kids. People say, Pastor, what was the secret of your success? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Laying on my face and begging God, and help, and please, Lord, help them to turn out right and help me not to screw it up. That's the secret of my success. Are you kidding me? I mean, you know, humility covers a multitude of sins, all right? If you'll just be humble and teachable and not so defensive and reactionary, God can do amazing things in your life. And let me end with this. So, so what does is, what is waiting patiently in hope mean? It means we're going to prayerfully keep going after God. It means we're going to do it with humble obedience. And it means, lastly, there's a confident expectation in our spirits. Look at what David says. We sing this in our songs all the time. I love this phrase. David says in verse, verses 13 and 14, Yet I am confident that I will see. I mean, you know, he, he hasn't seen it just yet, but I will see the Lord's goodness. Now, the King James says this way, unless I had believed to see. Now, I want you to notice the order there. Unless I had believed to see. I mean, you know, in America today, we do just the opposite. I will not believe until I see. I have to see it to believe it. The Bible is just the opposite. 
you believe it to see it. And you'll never see, you'll never see it, you'll never experience the goodness of God in your life if you continue to live in unbelief. If you continue to be cynical and skeptical and jaded and all this kind of approach that Americans are so great at. That's why we experience so little of God. Unless David said, I believe I will not see the goodness of God. But he says, I'm confident I will see God's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. So I look at the Elisea family today. Here's my word to you from the Lord. In the midst of this incredible loss, which sends ripple effects in multiple generations, we have grandkids here today. You had one of the coolest grandpas ever born, ever to ever exist, and you know it. And you know what he did to you? He encouraged you. He, ch- he made swords and shields and had camps. And I, Am I right? You guys did all kinds of cool stuff, and your, your grandpa was the best. So on the one hand, there's this sense of loss, incredible loss, real loss. But on the other hand, this is, this is what we say. I believe I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That, that what has taken place, even though it is a painful loss on earth's side, even in the midst of the loss, I will see the goodness of God coming over your family like a tsunami. Because uh, God will repay over and over and over again. That's the goodness of the Lord. So this is what David says. And man, if this, this, listen, this, here's the prophetic word to all y'all. All right? You ready for this? For I'd like to pro, if, if I had 30 seconds on national television, this is what I would say. Be brave and courageous and wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and and courageous, and wait patiently for the Lord. Bravery is simply staring fear in the face and choosing to do what's right, choosing to do what God calls you to do, choosing to remain faithful, choosing to stay at your post. And courage is simply our response to when fear is creeping up in our hearts. Courage is meaningless apart from fear. Because you don't need courage unless you're afraid. So here's what I love about David. David's not saying, be like me. I've never been afraid in my life. No, David was afraid a lot of times in his life. How many of you know when you're saying, I will be confident, it's because you're not quite there yet? When you're saying to yourself, hey, why are you discouraged, oh my soul, and why are you downcast? That's because he's recognizing he's not where he needs to be. But what I love about David is he always finds a way to get there. And can I just encourage you this morning? I don't know what challenges you're facing. I don't know what you're feeling. But your emotions are not things to be kicked to the curb. Your emotions are things to listen to. Because it's like taking a spiritual inventory of your heart. What's going on on the inside? Are you living in peace? Are you operating in joy? Do you have a sense of contentment? Are you moving in patience and humility? Or are you dealing with despair, discouragement, depression, anxiety, fear? 
Most Americans today are full of fear about something. I looked at a survey online, America's top fears. We fear government. We fear pollution. We fear illness. We fear polluted drinking water. 64.6 Americans surveyed fear polluted drinking water. We fear people we love dying. We fear air pollution, cyber terrorism. We fear that plant and animal species might go extinct. We fear global warming and climate change. We fear not having enough money for the future. America's top ten fears. We've got better things uh, to be spending our time with. How about this? Gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. Remembering God's goodness. Being a part of his mission, his assignment to touch people and love people and deliver people from a spirit of fear. That's part of the assignment that God's given us as his people. So stand to your feet this morning. I want to pray for you. Can we just stand here and just thank the Lord? First of all, make it personal right where you're at. Whatever you're going through right now, everybody's facing different things, but just thank God. He's your light. He's your salvation. He's your fortress. Ah, this one thing I'm going to go after, I'm going to pursue the presence of Jesus in my life. I am not going to, if I'm surrounded by an army, I am confident that God will protect me, that I'm in God's hands. My life belongs to the Lord. What do I need to fear? What do I need to fear? I don't need to fear the unknown. I don't need to fear the future. God's already there. So, Lord, we worship you today. I pray, break off, Lord, the brainwashing, the hysteria that's part of our culture today. God, may we move with such joy and such peace and such freedom and such life. God, release that to your people. God, I pray burdens break off of us today, God. I pray that supernatural joy overtake the heart of your people, Lord. Father, you're wooing us. Come, I have things to say to you. And Lord, we say back to you, we're going to run into your presence, Jesus. We're coming. Here we come. Here we come. Here we come. And Lord, for the Alisea family, all the extended friends, family, relatives, Lord, we just pray, cloak them like a massive blanket of grace. Lord, give them amazing peace in the midst of the storm, especially for Diana, Lord. And comfort her. Strengthen her. Be her husband, Lord, and give her heart great hope uh, in, the, in the days and weeks ahead. And so, Lord, as we leave here today, we're prisoners of hope. We're going to go out and fight fear, and we're going to live in victory, and we're going to bring hope to people today. So bless us in that effort, Father. And Lord, I pray if there are people here that don't know Christ, that today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. God is always ready. He's always wooing. If you don't know the Lord, there are people that will be standing right up here when I say amen that will be waiting for you. Don't leave the building today. God is calling you and inviting you to know him. And there are people here that will embrace you and pray with you and love you and help you. If, you're, if you've been tormented by fear and anxiety, don't leave here. There are people that will be waiting to pray with you, all right? Lord, we pray blessing now over your family, over your bride. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give it one more shout of praise. We love you all. Have a great day.